0: Hello and welcome to the Fearless Man Podcast. This is a show where we talk about everything that God wants us to remember to do as a husband, a father, a friend, a leader, and even a chef in the kitchen. Don't miss it. Share it with your friends, and I'll see you on the podcast. This is your host, Andy Falco TN. It would, oh. <laughs> it would help if I put my, um, my camera up when the video was over. Sorry about that. Uh, and uh, my background is not what I want for my background. So we got to change that too. It's so glad I'm a professional when it comes to these things. <laughs> there we go. All right, my friends, this is Andy, uh, coming to you live from Yorba Linda, California. And um, we're going to be talking today about something that's very near and dear to my heart and that's my relationship with my daughter and and so the title of this particular broadcast is daddy and then in quotes male role model daughter relationships and the reason I throw that in parentheses male role male role model is because I I, just like I did with my uh, broadcast my last broadcast which had to do with uh, sons it's important for the men watching that you don't just switch off because you don't have a daughter. I think that there are there is opportunity if you are if you have a niece, if you have a granddaughter, if you have maybe you have no uh, relative who has a girl, and you don't have a a girl as far as a daughter is concerned, but you know of. A single mom in the church, or a friend who um, is a is a mother but doesn't have either the fathers passed away or they divorced or what have you, that this may be an opportunity uh, for you to step in to be that male role model that a a woman uh, who has a daughter in the church would would appreciate their daughters seeing what a male role model looks like so that they know what to look for as they get older. And I, and I think that is a possibility. And I, and I, and you know, you got to be careful on the creepiness side of things. However uh, I know as a Christian man, if you do things uh, as the Lord calls you to do that, there is a way. And um, I think it's important that, that young women see strong male role models especially from their fathers, of course, but from their brothers, from their uncles, their grandfathers, and friends in their mother's lives that show them what it is to look for in a godly man as they begin to grow older and help grow their self-esteem and comfort level with what um, a godly man looks like and what to look out for when Satan, uh, in the form of a, a male in their lives, uh, they they know how to take action and avoid or uh, what have you, what, whatever. It's important to keep them safe. So uh, this entire broadcast, I think, is important for every man. Of course, this is the Fearless Man podcast, so uh, we're speaking to men mostly. But if you're a woman watching, uh, it would be great if you would share this out so that other men in your uh, world may may see it and have an idea of what it is that is important um, for them to understand. As their role as a Christian man uh, in in girls' lives. Hey, John, nice to see you. Um, not sure what the L, which which one of my LOLs <laughs> that I said. I was looking at the the his image there and looking to see what that means. Um, I'm not, it, it's interesting, but if John, if you're still on, let me know what that, what that particular picture means. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I'm, I'm going to be reading a lot from this book. Now, this book that I have, this is, uh, was written in 2000. What? I, I just looked it up, and I already forgot. 2000. Hold on. written 2006 or 2003. Hold on. So the copyright is 2006, which uh, a, a book being copywritten in 2006 means it was probably written in, you know, anywhere in the early 2000s, probably. Uh, I have a couple books that I wrote, you know, 10 years before I actually um, published them. So you never know. So uh, and the reason I bring that up is because there's no reference to TikTok or Instagram in what I'm about to read you, but you can plug those in as I, as I read certain parts of this thing. Um I'm going to read through just a portion. There is so much just like a raising sense in, in daughters or uh, you know a young uh, niece or granddaughter there's they are complex as a, as a man looking towards you know at a at the female species um, it's a it, they're they're just so complex. <laughs> I know I said that already once but um, I, I, it's not, it's impossible to cover what needs to be covered in one show or one podcast in the 30 or 45 minutes I have to do this. And so I want, I want to just cover this one area And this area. It happens to deal with, um, you know, as, as they grow older, depending on the age of the girl. Now, if she's, you know, young, like six or seven, uh, you know, or, uh, in middle school where they began to, you know, change and the, possibility of becoming sexually active um that the foundation needs to be laid as they begin to get older and i think if it's not too late there's things here that you can you can do to make some significant changes now if they're very very young or if they're older now these things will still come into play it's just gonna you're gonna have to be um a little bit more mindful in how you bring in these possibly new s- steps and new ways of treating your daughter, um, uh, discipline your daughter, guiding your daughter. Uh, and these things will uh, obviously be a little bit more difficult, especially if you're like me, where for most of my life, I was not truly born again. And it wasn't until more recently, um, I, I found myself walking closer with God and being, having a, a, a completely different relationship than I did before where now uh, putting my life is completely different. And so even to my kids, it's, it's completely different. The, my older children who, who know of the old man and now know of the, the born again, the more born again, man. <laughs> and they go, wow, you are so different than you were before. Um, and so the older ones are still getting used to the new man. Where the younger ones are kind of like, oh, yeah, I remember that that old guy, but you know, now you know, I, I see who my dad is now. I hope that you know, that all made sense. I know it was a bunch of words, but um, it just depends on where you're at in your in your relationship with God and and then how you you take on these things. Now, understanding also that. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I do as a dad and I've done for years. I have an older daughter who's 28, so we'll be talking about, you know, the differences between how I raised her and now my, uh, my younger uh, daughters. You know, some of the things I learned and the mistakes I made and how I do things differently now um, are, are very apparent, but I'm not sure that a, a mother truly understands sometimes the role of the father. And, and I get pushed back, you know, quite often, but I think part of it is because you have a mother who's raising children one way, and then you have the father's role, which is in, in some cases completely different. It's like a flip flop, but that's what makes raising children in a married situation, or where both mother and father are active in, the, in, their, in their upbringing, that is necessary because it is so different. And there needs to be these differences for there in the middle for the child to come up in a way that is more balanced. When you have just one parent, whether it's the mother or the father, that's how things kind of go awry and things don't turn out as well. And why so many experts say that a a child, son and daughter um, tend to be more successful in business, more successful in school, and more successful in raci- relationships when they're raised by both. When one or the other does it, it, it causes uh, problems and, you, in, in, and that drops down in all those areas of effectiveness and in their effectiveness. So, uh, so understand that, that you, you may get some pushback on some of these things from the mom, but understand we're coming from a, a father perspective. All right. So let me go ahead and get to this book. And again, I don't know if I even said the name of the book. It's called Stronger Fathers, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. It's written by Meg Meeker, who's an MD and a Christian. And so although this book was written back in 2006 and probably probably actually written in the early 2000s, like 2000, again, there's going to be some things that are a little bit out of date, but um, I think that it still holds strong in many areas. All right, so just to read um, the paragraph leading up to a a series of bullet points, which I'm going to talk about, Um, I think it's important to lay the groundwork or the foundation before we get to those bullet points. So in this paragraph, it says, the disturbing data goes on and on, but some trends do appear to be reversing. Many schools have anti-gang problems, as well as programs that discourage underage drinking and programs against smoking or taking illegal drugs. The number of teen pregnancies and the the rate of teen sexual activity might be declining, but whatever hints of progress we might have, they're not nearly enough. Your daughter is still at terrible risk. And fathers are what stand between daughters and this toxic world. So the reason I bring up the date of the copyright and when this book was written As I think maybe there was a, at the time, there might've been a decline, but I think with the advent of um, TikTok and Instagram and um, the the other ones, there's a whole other bunch of them that I I can't bring to my Twitch um, that we're probably seeing an uptick is, and then you had the pandemic, which this book had no idea that was coming. So yeah, the pandemic and a whole bunch of other stuff where I think you see this trend coming back up of difficulties that young girls might be having in regard to sexuality and uh, preteen pregnancies and a whole bunch of other shenanigans. We got LGBTQ and gender issues and a whole bunch of things that I don't think this author anticipated when writing this book. I, I, you know, I should have looked before we went live. Um, I'm wondering if there is a revised version, because I would like to see a revised version from this doctor, this Christian doctor, um, to see what her take is on, on all of those things. So let me continue. Don't think you can't fight her peers. That's important. Fathers, grandfathers, uncles, do not think you can't fight her peers. So important. On the power of pop culture, exactly the opposite is true. Yes, the four Ms, again, there's now you've got to add TikTok and and Instagram, but in, in this case, the four Ms were MTV, music, movies, and magazines are enormous influences that shape where girls think about themselves, what clothes they wear, and even the grades they get, but their influence doesn't come close to the influence of a father or a manly role model. A lot of research has been done on this and fathers always come out on top. The effects of loving, caring fathers on their daughters' lives can be measured on girls of all ages. So as I go forward, I I kinda just wanna talk a little bit about some of the, the, the quirks that I have with my kids. And so, again, you may agree or disagree. I, 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 I just want to also make this disclaimer, but I'm not the leading expert in, in raising children. Um, I, I have children. I have six of them. Uh, they're all different. Uh, I have a history of training dogs for Thirty some odd years. And so you will hear me from time to time sharing some comparisons. And and as much as pushback as I get from a lot of people, um, I feel very strongly that training dogs is not that much different than raising children in in regard to discipline and obedience and and reward systems and um, behavior issues. And I could go on. I, I found so many, so many similarities. And even in the mistakes I may have made with my older daughter and I, and I'm not saying that she grew up to be a horrible person because she's fantastic. Her and I have a great relationship. Uh, she's in a relationship right now, which you would hate that I said that out loud. Um, but I'm very, very pleased with, regardless of the mistakes I made, she's turned out, um, very well. She has her, you know, she has a, um, she has a great job and she's, um, on her own and all that kind of stuff. So I'm very, very pleased, but, um, there's things that she suffers from because I think I could have done a better job of giving her more self-esteem um, and, and, and preparing her for adulthood and a whole bunch of other stuff. All right. So um, so I just want to say, of course, again, that I'm not the leading expert. It's just I I've, I've made some mistakes. I've learned from those mistakes and I'm learning all the time. And as, an, as a as a more godly man than I've ever been in my entire life, I feel that the Bible has so much um, in it that that's so powerful. And so with that. My quirks are, is that um, I, I think self-respect is so huge in both my daughters and my sons, and so I'm uh, a, a have been, and it's been hard, it's been difficult to to get this, but I've been hard on them that they're, my expectations of them are very high. So burping out loud in public, um, you know, you know, farting, <laughs> um, cussing. Uh, the type of music you listen to. There's a whole lot of things that I I have this aversion to. Oh, um, chewing out loud so people can hear you chewing your food drive me crazy. And they always have. And although you know what's hard for them is as a little kid when they do some of these things, you, you, you find them a little bit cute in the beginning, but then as they get older, they go, dad, you used to think that that was okay. And I said, yeah, but you were two or you were five. Uh, or what have you. But uh, when you are at a restaurant and you let out one of these sounds or you do something uh, that, you know, reduces your, um, uh, you know, your, what it is that how people look at you and how people perceive you. I I think that you need to understand this. And so we even bring that into the home. And I get, uh, if you want to make me mad, uh, burp out loud. If you want to make me mad, let me hear you chewing. If you want to, if you want to make me mad, um, cuss and say the F word or the S word uh, or use God's name in vain. And again, I, I get pushback uh, from other adults and, and that kind of stuff. But I, I, I just stay strong because it's just one of those things that I think are important as you're raising kids to have self-respect for themselves and to be different. Don't be the obnoxious one. That you look at, you may find the obnoxious one at school kind of funny or entertaining, but I, I think that you want to um, steer clear of being that person who's ob- obnoxious. When it comes to my daughters, um, I really am concerned about their their modesty and the clothes that they wear and the form fittingness of things or the shortness of things, and and I know that I have to be careful. I know that if you if you go too far, what they end up doing is they dress one way when they're in your presence and then pack in their purse or in their backpack other clothes that are belly shirts or shorter shorts or shorter skirts or what have you, and then simply just change when they get to school or their friend's house. So you, you have to balance it that you make it, it, you lay a foundation early on. I think... If you try it later, if you allow them to dress scantily in the beginning and then you try to take it away from them and in a way that's going to cause them to now do those things where they go out of the home and now change into the more scantily clad clothing that you've caused that problem. And so it, it, it has to do a lot with what we're going to read now. And this is, again, I'm laying kind of a foundation and want under, want you to understand where I'm kind of coming from and where I think the book is coming from is that you it's really important to lay that foundation. If you're coming uh, from a place where you're a little behind now and they're a little bit older and now you're trying to do it, you're going to want to kind of, uh, you know, just be a little bit more careful, I think. And you want to have these discussions and talk through it so that they don't do that Uh, if you if you uh, if you can't, if you can keep that from happening. So I think in, in regard to my daughter, Ray, you know, she's been raised in a in a way of of modesty. Uh, and that type of thing. But she's also been raised with boys. So it's she doesn't have a problem with modesty, but she does have some things where she's kind of uh, gross like a boy some on, from time to time. And so we're, I'm trying to work some of those things out so that she's not doing that out in public. I hope that kind of all made sense. So is there a difference between boys and, and girls and sons and daughters? I, and I say yes. And I, I share with them. Yes, they're a boy. You're a girl there is is there two different standards in some things that there are and that's just the way that's the way it is and i and i think that you find that biblically i think that you find that in 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 our you should find that more often in our society but we just simply don't and so laying that foundation early so that it's not a shock to their system and they're not looking at you like you're nuts but they they can have a better understanding if you're coming from a a point where you've laid this foundation and you point to examples that it's not as shocking to them. That doesn't mean I don't want my daughter to grow up to be a strong woman who can take on jobs or roles that sometimes are geared towards men. But I also don't want her acting like a man sitting with her legs spread open, uh, while wearing a, a you know, a, a skirt or a dress, right? You know, there's some very clear, uh, things that are different on how a woman sits and dresses and, and, and appears and talks and um you know mannerisms and that kind of stuff as opposed opposed to a a boy or a man as they're growing up so laying that out in the beginning i think is super important and so remembering the scripture here which i'm going to bring up to the screen and that is uh ephesians 6 1 through 4 which says children obey, obey your parents and the lord for this is right honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, the important part, fathers do not provoke your children into anger, but bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so when we're looking at these areas in regard to a daughter and how it may be different, especially if they see because you have a son um, that you're doing something different and they're looking and going, how come you don't make them do it? How come they don't have to do these things? That that relationship, that if we go back to Ephesians one, uh, 6, 1 through 4, is that these things are so important that you've, you've get, gotten to a place that your children obey you, because the scripture says, obey your parents and the Lord, that when your children are being raised, that they understand that they need to obey you. If you've not laid a firm foundation, so that they're already in that mindset of obeying you, then of course, when you tell them, "Hey, don't wear that. Go back to your room and change," or "Go back, um, uh, you know, go back and you know do something differently because I don't like the way that you're behaving," whatever that may be, that if you've not gotten to that point where your children are obeying you, then of course you're going to have more difficulty. So that's why I say again that it's important to lay this foundation first, especially as they're young and growing up. That when it comes time for you to discipline them or tell them to go back to the room and change or that, uh, you know, they, you know, on their first date that you're going to be somewhere in the background, if it's at the movie theater or if it's, you know, at a park or what have you, that that doesn't become a shock to them. Oh, suddenly now you want to, you care about what I'm doing. Suddenly now you care about what I'm wearing. You see what I'm saying? So that foundation has to be laid in order for that to happen. And then, uh, of course, then honoring your father and mother, and I, I think that this is the one thing that I, I, I talked about with my sons uh, is that when I when I send them off, and I said, "Listen, son, I I, I really uh, hope you understand that you're a representative of this family," um, and so understanding that in honoring your mother and father, that being a good representative away from us is one of those things in, in relationship to honoring your mother and father, in, a, in addition to a bunch of other things, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. But, and then fathers do not provoke your children to anger. Um, again, being able to talk to your children, and I've done this a few times. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I know that there's been a few discussions that I've had with my daughters in particular that they can get frustrated or angry based on me not allowing them to talk when they want to talk or um, being too strong on my rules or maybe snapping or being a little bit stronger in my voice than probably God would like for me to be. And so now I'm trying to find the balance between all those areas so that I don't provoke them. And again, provoking them is what causes them to dress a certain way at home and then leave the home and then take the clothes that you did not want them wearing because they're much smaller, they fit into the little purse. <laughs> they, they fit into the little change purse uh, and then switching into those, you know, when they get to their friend's house or when they get to school and get into the restroom and then they, and then they change. That provoking will cause that. If you have a, a history of constantly provoking them, then, you know, then they're going, yes, dad, uh, I won't wear those things anymore and then it's uh it's a lie that uh, they're they're wearing them later on in life so um, my my goal is that i want to make sure and bring scripture into it that makes all of this make sense so let me now come down to these bullet points which i think i think are so important and and and, and she lays out and her name again is meg meg meeker is that in young girls some of the bullet points that are important to understand that toddlers securely attach their two fathers are better at resolving, at solving problems. Very, very, very important. Six-month-old babies score higher on tests, mental development uh, if their dads are involved in their lives. With dads present in the home, kids manage uh, school stress better. Girls whose fathers provide warmth and control uh, achieve higher academic success. Girls whose fathers provide warmth and control Uh, can achieve higher academic success. Girls who are close to their fathers exhibit less anxiety and withdrawn behaviors. Now, those are some of the things that I know that I'm dealing with with my daughters is this this sense of not being good enough, not being pretty enough. Um, You know, the difficulties of making friends and keeping friends. And these anxieties um, are are really difficult, I'm, I'm really trying to figure out how is it that I can reduce some of those anxieties through my f- fathering? And, and what is it that I'm adding to cause their anxieties, right? And so we're, we're having to look at, remember men, and again, I'm not coming to you as an expert, but I, I want to remind you of this, is remember all your, all your children, if you have multiple children, all your children are slightly different, so you're gonna have to find that balance. Some of the things that I'm going to put and bring up and now in the older girls, that's all those are all in the younger girls. So we're talking about, you know, in the single digits up to 10 or 11 years old in the next section of bullet points, which is there are a lot of them. So please bear with me. I go go through them. They're older. So we're talking about teenage children. But the, the, again, the foundation, if you lay these down early on in, in as young girls, it, it'll be much easier going into uh, when your girls are older in their teen years but uh but so so difficult with the anxieties and depressions and and the pressures and so back to what i was reading earlier man TikTok and instagram where they're being told that they're not pretty enough not wealthy enough not um uh you know not worldly enough going to many places going to all the i can imagine the difficulties i i just heard an interview with a young girl who talked about you know just wanting to commit suicide because every day she was seen on Instagram, how much more fun other girls were having, how much more attractive other girls were having, how much skinnier other girls were, uh, how, how much more athletic other girls were. And every day of seeing these this messaging, it just made life so darn difficult that she would never, ever be able to be that person. And it's so important as fathers is that we let them know that they are that person, that they are pretty enough, that they are strong enough, that they are smart enough, that they are athletic enough, whatever it is, without overdoing it, but with, within you know, a reasonableness so that they don't feel like they have to keep up with that Instagram influencer or that TikTok influencer, influencer that these difficulties that we're having to deal with in relationship to anxieties and withdrawn behaviors that we need to be involved and we need to be monitoring we need to be uh, you know uh, talking to them about these things that they're dealing with and sometimes even bringing them up and discussing them and again being very careful that you don't exasperate them or bring them to a place of being you know pushing you away because you're talking about things that make them unco- uncomfortable but making it a regular thing, um, I'm going to bring up this one thing, and it's going to sound very strange, possibly. But I and I, but I hope it uh, makes sense, is that one of the things that I've done with with my oldest daughter. I remember doing it with her, and I remember, and of course now I've done it with my um, my 14-year-old daughter, and that is uh, understanding where she is at in her life, that she has periods now, and that I, um, I go out and I buy what it is that they need and bring it to them. I said, Oh, I was at CVS today. And uh, I noticed you were running low, but I got some of these things for you. And, and again, it, it can be a little bit shocking that, you know, you give it to them and they go, Oh, it, it, and they, it's, you know, it's one of those things that they don't know that they can talk to you about. But I remember with my oldest daughter being there at the grocery store, getting those things when she was, you know, whatever, 13 years old and trying to find the right size and the, in the right, um, you know, they the right quality of, of things that she needed. And, and I think that was, was a bonding experience. It it may seem odd, but I, I feel strongly that it's one of those things that it just kind of takes the edge off where, when they could come to you, since we, since I'm willing to do that for her, that she may be more willing to now discuss something that she may be going through, not necessarily with her period, but maybe with something she's going through with the boy or the feelings that she's having or the thoughts that she's having, or maybe the thoughts. That the boy is having that he's presenting to her that if we can get past that uncomfortable issue of her period that she may now be able to approach me with the uncomfortable thought that hey my boyfriend wants me to have sex with him what do you what are your thoughts dad Um, wouldn't that be a an amazing discussion that she could bring to you that she could present you with as a gift of showing you that she trusts you enough to have that conversation I, I think that that's a valuable thing. And if, if that one little thing might be uh, helpful, that uh, I, I think that it, it might be uh, one of those things that could get you past the uncomfortableness of the the, the sex talk. Uh, hey, Nobby, nice to see you. Good day, mate. Um, and so let's um, uh, get into a little bit. So I'm going to get into the, the older girls' Portions, and I and I just want you to listen to what they have to say, and then and then you're going to have to figure out where you take action and where it is that you begin this involvement if you're not already, or where you as a group leader of a men men's group or something like that. This may be a good discussion for you to have at your men, next men's group. Again, I will, always want to encourage men that because I'm talking about fathers or daughter, it doesn't mean this message is only for fathers. It's not only for grandfathers. This is for all men. And that we, as a men of the church, need to understand what our roles are in this world, when it comes to our nieces, when it comes to um, friends, daughters, if, uh, if you need to give your, your, um, your friend who is a father, maybe you need to give him some encouragement. Maybe you need to send him this podcast. Maybe you need to refer this book, Stronger Father, father Stronger Daughters. And so I want all men who's watching this not to turn it off just because you're not a father or not because you're a grandfather that these are things that are important. So let's get into the bullet points for older girls. Now these are based on studies. This isn't necessarily just based on what uh, Meg Meeker has to say. Um, there's references and I'm gonna, in the description, there is re- one reference I, I put in there because I think it's, it's counterintuitive. And so I wanted to make sure that it was in here, but here we are with older girls. So um, parent uh, connectedness is the number one factor in preventing girls from engaging in premarital sex and indulging in drugs and alcohol. So for me, it's too late. I've already been divorced twice and the kids that I have are all from divorced uh, relationships. So I'm doing my very best as uh, in a blended family situation right now with my current wife, my only wife, my last wife, the best wife out of all of them. Um, And so I'm doing the best that I can now in this situation. But those of you that are married and maybe going through some difficulty, figure it out and stay married Uh, because parents uh, connectedness, which my ex and I don't have a connectedness. And at some point, I'm hoping that's going to change that your uh, girls will have or girl will 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 be be, it will be preventing girls from engaging in premarital sex, indulging in drugs and alcohol. Girls with uh, doting fathers are more assertive. Isn't that strange? Uh, and the 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 reference in in here so if you want to see all the references there's just too many for me to put up but um, girls with doting fathers are more assertive how is that that is so interesting in some cases you would think that would be the opposite that the girls would would just because of the father not being around that they had to be more assertive because they didn't have a father it's the opposite uh, according to the studies girls with doting fathers are more assertive Daughters who perceive that their fathers care a lot about them, who feel connected to their fathers, have significantly fewer suicide attempts and fewer instances of bodily dis, um, dissatisfaction. Sorry, dissatisfaction, uh, depression, low self-esteem, substance use, and unhealthy weight. So, 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 so important when when their fathers care. When they have that feeling that the fathers care. So just on a side note on this, I think what I grew up as a, as um, you know, as a, as a kid, my parents were not involved at all. I, I mean, they were, I, I can't say not involved at all. They, they got me involved in pop or football as a, as a young chi- child and in sports, because that's just what they did. They'd already done it with my older brother who was 10 years older than I uh, am. Um, but um but that was it. When, when, when I got into uh, junior high and high school, I played soccer and I played football and track and field and that kind of stuff. They, they weren't that involved. They would, I would ride my bicycle to practice you know, all the practices with my football gear. I, I remember riding my bicycle with all my football gear on and my helmet hanging from my handlebars um, and be there at the games. And I'd be looking at the stands and they, they wouldn't be there. And then especially when I became a track in a track and field, uh, I happen to do very well in pole vaulting. I was ranked number two in the state, but they—my parents never, ever had, never, ever saw me pole vault. Ever. None of my siblings ever saw me pole vault, so it, it's non-existence. So, in this thing, uh, this area here, where it says daughters who perceive that their fathers care a lot about them, it's showing up. I think one of those things. It's—it's it, a whole bunch of things, giving them a hug, uh, encouraging them. Uh, sending them an occasional uh, message here or there, or leaving them a note, um, buying them things randomly, not just on their birthdays, but telling, hey, I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, I appreciate you um, are important, but showing up to those things. Um, uh, I have a stepdaughter now, and although uh, she's fantastic in cheerleading and, and tumbling and those types of things, is cheerleading my favorite sport? No. Uh, I, I enjoy competition, that kind of stuff, but uh, I, I don't go there for my my love of cheerleading. I go there for my stepdaughter. Uh, I show up to the football games when she's cheering and cheer her on and say, "Great job!" And you know, if, if something maybe goes wrong, ah, you're you'll get it next time. And and then giving a hug if I can, or wrapping my arm around her and saying, you know, you did really good or whatever that is, is that showing that I care, whether it's my stepdaughter or my daughter, is being there and showing up. I think is important. Um, I really don't understand um, parents who say, well, I don't go because I'm not interested in what it is they're doing. Well, I, uh, it's not about you. It's not about, it's not about your interest. Uh, uh, I'm just, I'm so bored when I go and listen. I, I could care less about, it's not about the sports. It's about showing up and being there. And I don't care if you're a step-parent or a, a father, a, fa- a step-father or a, or a father, you don't have to care about the activity. You have to care about the daughter, stepdaughter or not. It doesn't matter. Showing that you care enough to make the drive, to take the time out, to yell out, you know, I, you know, I love you, or to care out, to yell out, hey, that was fantastic, or yell their name and embarrass them. In in some cases, I think is so important. So uh, it's that perceiving. I think that's the important. Says daughters who perceive perceive that their fathers care a lot about them is the important part of that all right so I hope I didn't beat that up too much but I think it's super important girls with involved fathers are twice as likely to stay in school if a, a daughter's self-esteem is best predicted by her father's physical affection giving them a hug giving them a, a high five giving them knuckles whatever that is um, I think is uh, is so important. I give my daughters as much hugs even when they go, uh, you know, like that. I don't care. I give them a hug anyway. Girls with a father figure feel more protected, have higher self-esteem, are more likely to attempt college and are less likely to drop out of college. Girls with fathers who are involved in their lives have higher uh, quantitative and verbal skills and higher intellectual uh functioning yeah that's pretty good uh 21 i don't like this stat it, it's wonky and it doesn't make any sense so i'm going to skip that one if you want to know what that one is uh, read the book girls whose parents divorce or separate before they turn 21 tend to have shorter lifespans by four years that's so interesting isn't it and i'm so sad i'm sorry uh courtney and ray um but um I just shorten your lives by four years, but I'm going to do my best to get those four years back. I don't know how to do it, but I want to get those four years back. But try to stay together, uh, men, uh, because um, you're, if you get divorced, you're going to take four. You're going to you're going to skim off four years of your daughter's life. Uh, fathers help daughters become more competent, more achievement oriented, and more successful. Girls defer sexual activity of their parents if if their parents disapprove of it. And they are, here's the important one. This is the one where I have the reference in the description. So if you're wondering, uh, like I uh, did back when I first read this, I, I had it circled from, the be- from, I don't know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago when I first read this book because I found it interesting. But I'm going to read the whole thing again. Girls defer sexual activity if their parents disapprove of it. And they're less likely to be sexually acted if their parents disapprove of birth control. Oh. Shocking, I know. And I'm gonna I want to remind you again. The the reference is in the description that they use the study. uh, But it is one of those things where you look at it and you go, Wow. Uh, And I know somebody might say, Well, what you know, birth control is like a seatbelt. I've heard this argument before and I've argued against it, and I've had the same argument for years because again, I read this book 10 or 15 years ago. And um, I was interested in seeing the study, and I I don't know if I still have it somewhere on a computer somewhere, but I I needed the proof. How is that possible? Because, again, this argument is that, well, when you get in a car, you wear a seatbelt. You're not planning on getting into collision. You're not planning on racing anybody. You're not doing any of those things. But the issue not necessarily is that you are you a good driver, but is the other person a good driver? So there's the argument where people say, well, it's not I'm not concerned about my daughter, you know, abstaining or avoiding sex. But. I'm, I I don't trust the boy that they're with. And so I give them the birth control because I don't trust the boys that she hangs out with or her boyfriend or what, whatever it is. And I understand that argument, but my, my understanding years ago, when I read this, and really, really began to think about it. It should not be the birth control that is the seatbelt. It should be the discernment that you've built in your daughter, and the, the, um, the, the things that you've given her to understand what it is that she needs to avoid to be putting her under the situation that she's going to be put in a a place where she feels she has to have sex, or that uh, that she's going to be sexually attacked or sexually abused you know i gotta also lay out one little bit of foundation for who for where i'm coming from as i was a sex crimes detective at anaheim police department so i know the number of sexual assaults that occur out there that they are it's extraordinarily high in our society but i can tell you in the 500 cases a year that i got as a sex crimes detective of, of rapes and sexual molestations and um Uh, sexual abuse cases that I got, is that there's is an aspect, there is a level of, of where the victim, and again, I'm not blaming victims, please understand me, because I know that this can get in a place where people perceive that I'm saying that the, the girls to blame, that's not what I'm saying. But there is a level that I saw consistently, especially with teen girls, is that, that they put themselves in a position where it's more likely that a man will, or, or boy will take advantage of them or they feel that they are vulnerable to sexual attack. Again, not saying that they are to blame, not saying anything of the sort, but if you can lay the foundation where they're doing a few things, And that is not dressing provocatively and not going places alone with a boy in a place where it invites the sexual attack or invites the uh, testosterone of the boy to take over because of going into a a room with a closed door. And again, I talked to um, my uh, daughters about that, that. Um, as long as you're in my home and a boy comes over, you are not allowed to be in a room with the door closed. <laughs> you are not to go to their house with their parents with the door closed, sit in the living room or the family room, the kitchen, what have you, but not in a bedroom with a boy with the door closed, not in the bedroom with the door open. You are to be in a place where it is a public place. Again, the kitchen, that kind of thing. Be mindful of where you're at. Be mindful of surroundings and do not put yourself in a position where the boy will feel, hey, this is an opportunity for me to, 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 to touch or grab areas of your body anywhere where a bathing suit cover, covers that they may feel comfortable when they're in that position. So, again, I want to make sure that this is very clear. I'm going to say it for the third time. I'm not saying that the girls are to be to, uh, to blame. But putting, giving them uh, uh, birth control, allowing them to dress provocatively, um, allowing them to be in a place in your home where they are behind a closed door are, are, are the seatbelt. The rule of not doing those things or being upset is, is, is the seatbelt. It should not be that the birth control is the seatbelt. You understand what I'm saying? And then they say, well, a race car driver doesn't go into a race without a seatbelt. Well, if my daughter was a prostitute, of course, then she needs uh, birth control. That's a race car driver, right? I'm talking about the day-to-day operating of a uh, of, of just living life is that these other things are the seatbelt, not dressing provocatively, not being in a place behind a closed door, not uh, being um, in a place where um, this, this type of behavior is encouraged, that is the seatbelt, right? The discernment, the protection, the, your self-protection, your self-guidance, your, your self-respect is, should be the seatbelt, not the birth control. I really hope that that all made sense as to where I'm coming from. But when I first read it 15, 20 years ago, whenever it is, I read that book. I go, oh, let me let me let me check that out. So I checked out that study. That's none of what I just told you is in that study. But but there's there's similar things that you 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 let your guard down because, well, I have this in me that I'm not going to get pregnant. So now I can do these uh, these risky behaviors. Right. I can I can add to my risky behavior because I have this protection in me. No, you take away that risk, but then you don't put yourself in the risky situations. Does that make sense? All right. So going further, uh, girls with involved fathers wait longer to initiate sex and have uh, lower rates of teen pregnancy. Teen girls who live with both parents are three times less likely to lose their virginity before their 16th birthdays. Uh, 76% of teen girls said uh, that fathers influence their decisions on whether they should become sexually active. 97, per- oh, this is huge, the, the 76 and now the 97% of girls who said they could talk to their parents had lower teen pregnancy, 97, man. And when I go back to what I was talking about, about, you know, getting uh, uh, girls their, um, you know, the 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 things they needed for, for their period, their, their times of being on a period and that kind of stuff to opening up that door of having those conversation. When you see that um, percentage, 97%, of girls who said they could talk to their parents, uh, had had just simply could talk to their parents, um, had uh, lower teen pregnancy rates. My, my wife does a great job of having those those conversations and opening that door and, and making sure that the girls understand that they can have those conversations. So when you see that, uh, that percentage, 97%, I think is huge. Uh, 93% of teen girls who had a loving parent had a lower risk of pregnancy, absolutely. A daughter from a middle-class family has a fivefold lower risk of out-of-wedlock pregnancy if her father lives at home. Uh, girls who live with their mothers and fathers are, uh, as opposed to mothers only, have significantly fewer growth and de- 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 developmental, wow, developmental uh, delays and fewer learning disorders, emotional disabilities, and behavior problems. Girls who live with their mothers only have significantly less ability to control impulses, mm. uh, delay gratifications, and have a weaker sense of conscience or right and wrong, said. When a father is involved in his kid's day-to-day activities, they are more likely to confide in him and seek his emotional support. Fantastic. Uh, parental control and monitoring are effective uh deterrence against adolescent misbehavior and lastly kids do better academically if their if their fathers establish rules and exhibit affection so so good um i've been increasing the rules lately increasing the rules and it's because again i think that you know as opposed to when Nobby and i grew up and, and i don't i'm not sure how old john uh, back is who was also watching earlier. I'm not sure if he still is. Is that we didn't have the influences of the social media platforms that we have now, and the issues that are happening in schools now with gender issues and LGBTQ and all these things that, that they're having to be bombarded with that we're fighting against in our currently in our school boards. That the the rules have increased and need to be stronger and sterner, uh, through this summer, I've been increasing and turning the notch up a little bit and I didn't want to do it all at once because I don't want to exacerbate, uh, not exacerbate. I don't want to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Aggravate, uh, my children, right? The Bible says don't aggravate your children. Um, and so I think if you go too far, too fast, that aggravation gets set in where I'm gradually turning the, the, the nut on some of these rules so that they don't even see it coming that the rules become stricter uh, and they did not even know that it was happening um, because of this particular issue right here kids do better academically if their father's establish rules and and exhibit affection so you're increasing the rules while also increasing the affection and telling them how awesome they are when they and i think this would be when they're doing stuff outside of social media and increasing that affection All right, so those are the bullet points. Let me just add this one last paragraph, which I think is important. And it says here, your daughters take cues from you, her father, men in her life, on everything from drug use, drinking, delinquency, smoking, and having sex, to self-esteem, moodiness, and seeking attention from teen boys. And so fathers, remember, as you go through each day where your children are watching and observing what it is you're doing, uh, I think some of the important things that my wife and I, uh, do less of now and, and, and now absolutely we don't drink uh, at all. So we, of course they don't see us drinking. Um, my wife has been doing that for a long time. So as we got married, I um, also reduced it on her encouragement. And so um, that is one thing that's important. So again, the, as my children saw me earlier, I drank uh, often. And so when we got to dinner, when we were with friends and, um, you know, sometimes at home, you know, doing woodworking projects or be a beer somewhere. And so now that's completely out. And that is no longer a discussion. It used to be a discussion. Sometimes my, my son would even come to me when they were younger, eight years old. Hey, Dad, do you want me to go get you a beer? Right. And we think nothing of it. Then when we're doing it, we're thinking, oh, thanks. How polite. Go get me a beer. Or when you're watching sports events or we go to watch a Ducks game or a Kings game or what have you, that we go and stand in line for a beer and they're standing there with you as you're getting this big, gigantic beer and them a, a hot dog. Right. The beer is fifteen dollars or hot dog is you know ten dollars. And you you don't think about it at the time. And but they're taking it all in. Like the beer, the, the beer is so important. You're willing to take pay take, pay fifteen dollars for it, Dad. Or that beer is so important, you're willing to stand in a you know the much longer line because the beer line is longer than the food line. And at the time, you know, you don't think about it how that affects them or what they look at. But it, it could be subconscious to where they also begin to think, well, the beer must be so important. <laughs> it must be so hard you know i never thought about i'm actually thinking this out loud now as opposed to ever thinking about it before is that you're looking at it and you're going wow you know you really do consider all these little things because you know and i've and i've actually told parents this for many many years is that your your kids are watching you all the time everything you do how loud you burp how loud you fart when you fart when you um you know the chewing of your food to the all the other things, how much you cuss, all that kind of stuff. And reading this paragraph again, let me just read it one more time, just for emphasis. It says, your daughter takes cues from you, her father, on everything from drug use, drinking, delinquency, smoking, having sex, to self-esteem, moodiness, and seeking attention from teen boys. So fathers understand that your daughter is watching you. They want to meet somebody like you, if you are a heavy drinker, if you are a heavy cusser, if you have no self-esteem, if you have no um, discernment, um, who do you think it is that they're going to think that is the man for me? Why would they? What, 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 kind of, what, um, what clue do they have that an upstanding godly man is the one they should be looking for when the father figure that they've been looking at is this other man? right? Why, why would they, they're, they're, they have nothing to go by? The only thing they have to go by is the example that you have set. Um, now, there's things that I have done right. And again, I'm telling you, there's a lot of things that I've done wrong. Um, if I've ever walked out of the store and forgot to pay for something, I take them with me, I go back in and pay for it. If they've accidentally, as as children, one of my sons at Starbucks one time took the uh, the gum that was there on the display as you're checking out and put in his pocket and walked out and said, dad, look at, I got for free. We didn't have to pay for this. And I go, son, where'd you get that? Well, it was on the thing. And I goes, I just put it in my pocket and I go, okay, we're going to walk all the way back. And I went to the manager and I, and I told the manager, my son walked out with this and he's here to say, he's sorry and apologize. And so you go through all that. So I think back now that That was important. It's not a bad thing. I think that that was necessary and I did the right thing. But then, as I talked about before, but yet I'm willing to stand in a, you know, a 30 or 45 minute line to get a beer and pay $15 for it. And what example did that set? What were they able to see from me as their um, father figure or their their example of what a man is supposed to be like? And where does that go down the road? it leads to possibly them doing the same thing, that drinking is so important that you'll wait 45 minutes in line for it, and you'll pay exorbitant prices uh, out of your hard-earned money for it. And that is, I think, important to understand and to take away from uh, today's podcast. Uh, One last thing I'm going to skip down here where it says, and you're helping yourself too, you are helping yourself too. This is also for you. This isn't just say, look at, well, what, look what I'm doing for my daughter. What, what Meg says in this particular um, book here, later down in the same paragraph, what I just, said, well, actually, it's the next paragraph down. It says, and you're helping yourself too. Research shows that parenting may increase a man's emotional growth and increase his feelings of value and significance. So, man, I really want you to take away from this podcast. This is just scratching the surface on what it is you can do in raising daughters is that you got to look at all these things in totality, not just in how important it is that your daughter has a, a man that they can look to as an example of what it is that she wants in her life as she grows older, but how impactful it is for you to live a life that God wants you to live that the women, especially the young women around you, again, whether you're an uncle, a grandfather, a, a family friend that the girls in that family see often, you're, you could be that uh, that man in this family's life that they call you uncle, even though you're not a real uncle. All, you know, all of us have seen that kind of, uh, that, that man that's in the life of, of, of families, that it's it's this man that my dad likes a lot and he's around so much and part of the family so much that we call him uncle or we give him a, a, a name that's uh, you know, unique because he's just one of the, the, the family members, but not by blood. That you can live in this, this way, that you will be an example to the women, the girls in your life that they can look at and say, you know what, that's, that's the man that I wanna marry. The man like that, a man that's godly, a man that has self-esteem, that, but is also humble, that makes sound decisions, that is um, polite and, and loves me and makes me feel good about myself and who I am, that I am enough, that your daughter will say, or the girl in, that, in this situation will say, that I'm enough. He makes me feel like I'm enough, that I don't need to dress a certain way, that I don't need to have you know blonde hair or brown hair or green eyes or blue eyes or brown. That None of that matters, that who I am and how I exist and how God made me is enough and i am loved and i feel fantastic because of who you are as a man in their life so please take some of this information and and use it today and use it going forward um i do recommend this book stronger fathers i always put that you know i change the wording strong fathers strong daughters by me meg meeker md christian um, and again, I, I don't know if she's uh, written a newer version. Again, this book that I have here that I read is about 20 something years old. Let's say it's 2006, whatever that is. Work that out in your heads. I'm not good at math. Um, apparently, what I told you about my dad affected my academics. Uh, but um, it's less than 20 years old. But um, get that book, I think. If you uh, again, the references are in there, there's a whole back reference of all the studies and, and research that she did. Um, and I think it's in there and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's an awesome book. I do love it. And we'll be visiting this book from time to time. And, uh, I got a video I'm putting together about my Traeger. Uh, I want to get to the, the, the last part of what it is. I want these shows to be about to talk about cooking as men, how we can cook as men and show an example to our families and our, our, our the boys and girls, sons and daughters that are in our life, you know, that men could cook and they can do it masculine in a masculine way. And uh, let's uh, looking forward to making that video and having it for you. All right, my friends, I hope you guys have a great day and please share this out. You can find the podcast now on iHeartRadio. I don't know what's taking long. It's taking much longer for the other platforms to accept the podcast. So I know for sure on iHeartRadio, you can find it. So please go to Fearless Man Podcast on iHeartRadio and subscribe. I will tell you the other platforms that will be on uh, soon. I was just recently contacted by uh, uh, somebody that owns a a network of of TV shows that wants to add the man podcast video version uh, to the network. So uh, hopefully that announcement will be coming out in the next couple of weeks. So we'll be looking for that. All right, my friends, um, let me just read this scripture one more time, just so that you can leave with it. And it is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Amen. All right, my friends, uh, uh, take care. Love you guys. Have a blessed day. God bless. Bye.